I asked Miriam, I said, is there someone that uh, would be significant to ask to come and, and preach tonight? And she thought for a moment, and then she, she lighted upon a person that I thought was uh, a very good suggestion. Dr. Robert Bell is here tonight with his wife, Kathy. Uh, Dr. Robert Bell was a, an extension partner with Stan in college days and serving the Lord. For those of you who don't know what extension ministry is, that's when we were, as ministerial students, we'd go out and do different sort of activity in a practical way as young preacher boys in the community. It could be everything from preaching in nursing homes to street preaching to working in a prison ministry, any number of things. So it wasn't just all about book learning. There was that outlet to put into practice uh, the ministry and keep our hearts aflame for the gospel. I also had the joy of having Dr. Bell as one of my professors when I went through seminary, systematic theology, and uh, so much benefited from his, his wisdom and teaching, but also appreciated greatly his heart for seeing men train for the ministry and be passionate about being good exegetes of the Word of God and giving the honor to the Scripture uh, that it deserves. Dr. Bell holds both a Bachelor of Arts, a Master of Arts in Bible, but uh, also, he has a Ph.D. in Old Testament interpretation and uh, served for 50-plus years on the seminary faculty at Bob Jones University. And so it is my pleasure to have Dr. Robert Bell come and open the scriptures to us tonight. Dr. Bell. So wonderful to be here been praying for this church for many years. I heard about uh, Carl Wood coming to Myrtle Beach and planting a church. And actually, I guess at some point I forgot who the pastor was. I just prayed for that church plant at Myrtle Beach. And to get here and see this beautiful building, uh, this is a thrill. Uh, the second year of our marriage, uh, Kathy and I uh, asked the pastor uh, down in uh, Georgia if we could come and help out with the church on the weekends. It was my first year of uh, teaching in the seminary. And uh, so every weekend we drove uh, to Atlanta on Saturday. And the church had uh, purchased a uh, house next door to the church. And... Uh, they, uh, they put us up there, and uh, there were two preacher boys uh, from Bob Jones that were upperclassmen. Uh, again, this was my first year of teaching in the seminary, so uh, earlier I'd been the preacher boy going on extension, but now I'm a faculty member, and my wife was in the art department, and she was helping with the, uh, doing some of the commercial uh, artwork for the church, and uh, I was preparing the Sunday school lessons uh, for the church and teaching a Sunday school class. And they put us up in this uh, house next door, and these two preacher boys, um, it was Stan, and uh, do we call him Chuck or Charles? We called him Chuck? Okay, Chuck Flesher was the other one. And uh, the strange thing in this house, uh, the, uh, there was a furnace and if we closed our bedroom door, we froze. In other words, the furnace was in the hallway. And uh, so we had to leave that door open at night. And the, and the two boys were down the hall in a room. 
And I guess they probably had to leave their door open, too. And, and so it kind of felt like they were our roommates, you know. <laughs> you know, here, here's this married. And if they stayed out too late, we knew it. And uh, uh, that, was the, uh, that was the connection uh, there. All right, tonight, uh, I, I want to start with the Lord Jesus. And so let's go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And this passage uh, talks about something that uh, I got to contemplating. Uh, you know, Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of John, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit uh, isn't going to come. And at a certain point, I asked myself the question, do I really think that that's a, an advantage? See, uh, how is that an advantage? I mean, wouldn't it be great if the, Holy, if, if the Lord Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, just remained on the earth? And... Uh, uh, instead of going to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things that I've imagined is that if it were announced at uh, the Bob Jones University Chapel that the Lord Jesus was going to be at the wilds uh, the coming weekend and he would be counseling people, uh, I, I would imagine that there would be some, some guys that would ride a bike all the way up to North Carolina uh, to stand in a long line and have the Lord Jesus uh, answer some question. You know, is this the girl that I should marry? You know, okay. And uh, I imagine, uh, Carl, as a pastor, uh, if you could pick up the phone and call up the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem, see, uh, you'd think that was just wonderful, that, you know, he's right there and I can call him. And that made me realize that uh, if the Lord Jesus stayed on the earth in his human body, that he could only be one place at a time. But by going to heaven, sending us the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit all the time. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will come to us, uh, those of us that are in the ministry, and they say, what should I do? And they ask for counsel. And the wonderful thing is, we have the Holy Spirit there who can counsel us 24-7. And uh, uh, you say, well, how does, he, how does he talk to us? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not mute. He knows how to communicate. And uh, many people can give testimony that they've been looking at the Scripture and a verse just jumps out at them as the Holy Spirit is saying, there's your answer right there. And uh, so he, uh, he is available. And uh, this passage uh, talks about, uh, let's start in verse 8 uh, of Ephesians 4. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And we know these gifts are, are of the Holy Spirit. And verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. 
Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the Lord tells us here that uh, the church is like a body with various parts. And each of these parts is operative because of the what? Because of these gifts. And uh, the parts work together as a unity. So there's one, uh, in this passage, we're thinking of the church as one organization. And, and see, the wonderful thing is, uh, I could go halfway around the world, and uh, a believer's gift will edify me. Let's see. Um, and so, uh, uh, the, the edification, of course, mainly takes place in a local church, because this is where we are in contact with each other. But people that are elsewhere, because of that gift, they are able to uh, minister to us. Now, uh, our God has instituted some certain institutions. In other words, we're thinking of the church as an institution, as an organism with a diversity of parts, but with a unity. Now, a family is that way, too. So at the, in the beginning, God created man and woman, made them a family, and instituted a, a body that way. And, of course, uh, Ephesians 4 goes on to talk about uh, the body uh, in, in regard to uh, uh, Christ, the body of the church, and he, and he talks about the husband and the wife, see, in that same thing. Uh, the, the Lord organized Israel as a nation. And uh, he poured out some gifts there. There were prophets. Uh, there were, he appointed priests and so forth. And that functioned uh, as a unity. But for us, there is this wonderful institution that we refer to as, as the body of Christ, uh, the church. And uh, we have... Uh, in the church, uh, gifts that are differing. Uh, let's look over to uh, Romans 12 for a moment. So go back a couple of books. And uh, Romans 12, uh, verses 6 through 8, uh, speaks of these gifts again. And verse 7, he mentions the ministry. Verse 7, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. So we have uh, the teaching gift there in verse 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. And it mentions the gift of uh, exhortation. And of course, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 mentions teachers in, in the list of uh, gifts. So we have this uh, wonderful opportunity uh, this one, and I, I don't think uh, we, we often appreciate just what a great thing the Lord has done for us by giving these different gifts and uh, allowing these different parts uh, to minister to the whole. And, and just think of the picture of the body. You know, if I get something in my eye, my finger goes up there. My eye can't take care of that, and the finger takes care of it. And when I reach for a glass of water, the eye guides the hand to the right place, see. So these parts function and edify each other. And uh, if you uh, 
if something happens to one part, the whole suffers, see, the whole suffers. And uh, we're very complicated with our uh, physical bodies. And some little part can go off and it can really create great, great problems uh, for the uh, organism. And, and that makes us realize, uh, you know, when, when it doesn't work, wow, what a blessing it is when all of this is working, see. And, and we just take for granted uh, uh, that these things uh, are going on. Well, uh, uh, Jimmy was an orphan. As a 12-year-old, uh, his, his father had died fighting for his country. And as a 12-year-old, he had a great uh, financial need for some, uh, something to help him. And uh, his mom... Uh, told him to pray to the Lord. So uh, Jimmy uh, prayed to the Lord, and within a short time, the need that he had was met by his uncle. And he rejoiced. Uh, a couple days later, his mother said to him, Jimmy, have you written a letter to thank your uncle? And uh, Jimmy said, Mom, you told me to pray to God, and I prayed to God, and he answered my prayer, and I thanked him. Why do I need to write my uncle? <laughs> See, why do I need to write my uncle? Uh, and, and you realize, yes, he thanks God, but he needs to what? He needs to thank his uncle, too. And that's what brings me to this uh, point. Uh, as I started with the Lord Jesus, you know, he's done this wonderful thing to, to make this institution of the church and uh, sent the Holy Spirit to uh, empower the different parts of the body, to minister to one another. And we just, we, we as I say, uh, sometimes we just don't think about it and how wonderful it is. Uh, and uh, we, we praise the Lord. But, just as Jimmy needed to write that letter to thank his uncle, too, uh, we need to appreciate these different gifts in the people that the Lord has empowered. And obviously, uh, it's the Lord's working that, that made them uh, able to, to minister to us this way. But we need to recognize in them and appreciate what they're doing. So that really, uh, that really takes us to the, our text tonight. Uh, we start with Ephesians, but our real text is in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 5.17, which I think Carl has already uh, mentioned. So 1 Timothy 5.17, where Paul says... Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of what? Double honor. Double honor. Especially, and uh, I, I, I'm inclined to understand this verse, uh, that the elders here uh, would include the deacons. See, uh, In other words, obviously we have pastors and deacons, but I think, uh, and, and many people will, will say, well, the elder, no, that's just another word for the pastor. But it's passages like this that make me think, no, I think those are, that includes the deacons. Uh, because as he says here, the elders, especially which ones? Uh, 
they who labor in the word, King James says, who labor in the word and doctrine, okay? Well, that's the pastor, see? The, the labor of the deacon isn't primarily in the word and doctrine, see? So I, I think when he says, uh, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, and then he singles out uh, the pastor, the pastoral ministry. And uh, when it says who labor in the word, we understand that to be the preaching of the word. Uh, so a pastor has a duty to preach the word. And Stan's been preaching the word uh, for 50 years. And doctrine, and of course the word doctrine is the same word as for teaching. So he's been preaching and teaching for 50 years. That's the ministry. All right, now uh, let's go over to Philipp, uh, uh, Philippians 2.29. And Paul is talking about Epaphroditus. He's, Epaphroditus is, is named in verse 25. He says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and uh, he, he calls him his companion in labor, fellow soldier, uh, your messenger, and uh, really describes him in such a way that we can say Epaphroditus, uh, as a fellow worker of Paul, uh, he is a part of the body, as it were, and he's carrying on uh, this ministry. And uh, in verse 29, he says, Receive him, therefore, in the Lord, with all gladness. In other words, when he comes, appreciate this guy for what he's done. And he says, and hold such. In other words, hold such men as Epaphroditus uh, in reputation, the King James says. In other words, honor such men. Honor such men. So we are here tonight to honor Stan for all these years of uh, ministering to the body of Christ. All right, now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 18. 1 Corinthians 16, 18. Now, 1 Corinthians earlier, it talked about those gifts. But we get to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. And uh, he, Paul says, uh, he mentions some people in verse 17. And, uh, and then he says uh, that he was glad when they came. And then verse 18, he says, For they have refreshed my spirit. And again, uh, th this is part of that ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, to send us brothers and sisters who say things, who remind us of things, and edify us and build us up. Uh, I remember one time I was working uh, uh, to counsel to deal with people who came forward in a meeting. And uh, a young man, uh, th this was at the university, and it was the opening of a semester. And uh, a young man who wasn't a student, he was visiting, uh, he came forward and uh, he told me that uh, he, was, uh, he was involved with uh, Lester Roloff's ministry in Texas. And uh, uh, Lester Roloff had been through some real difficulties with the state government and uh, 
And, and this young man was discouraged about all of this. And so he expressed himself. And I opened up the scriptures to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and uh, went to the passage where it talks, you know, we see these great heroes of the faith that, that God delivered. And we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego delivered from the fire. But it says others also refused what? Deliverance. In other words, deliverance was offered to them from some human standpoint, and they refused it because of their faith and died for their faith. See, And because this young man was struggling, why, why doesn't God deliver Brother Roloff? See? And uh, so I went to that passage, and uh, uh, what was amazing to me, he knew the passage. He'd just forgotten it. And he says, I've heard Brother Roloff talk about that passage. Oh, yes, yes, it. See, And so just my mentioning it to him uh, took care of the, that discouragement that was in his heart. See, And uh, so this is one of the things uh, uh, that we can do uh, for each other. And... Uh, all right, so 1618 says, For they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Then he says, Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Okay? Therefore acknowledge them that are such. In other words, acknowledge such men as these. Acknowledge them. And that's what we're here to do tonight. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which what? Labor among you. And what I've heard uh, Brother Carl mention tonight is how much the McCunes have done since coming here to retire and how much what? Labor they've done. So he says, uh, we beseech you, brethren, to know them. In other words, to what? Uh, to acknowledge, to recognize. You know, you notice that word acknowledge. Do you hear the word knowledge in there? Okay. Um, so as we acknowledge uh, someone, and, uh, all right, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Is that what a pastor does? And to esteem them very highly in love for their for their work's sake, to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. Now, we, we get a, uh, an additional picture of this uh, when we go to the Old Testament. Uh, so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Now, in Joseph's day, th there was not a nation of Israel. Joseph was part of a family. And when his brothers sold him off as a slave, he was separated from that family. Now, he can have a relationship with the Lord. But what does he miss? He misses that, what, what the family can do. And uh, uh, I, I know one time a preacher asked this question, 
uh, after Joseph was taken out of prison and made a uh, high official in Egypt, why didn't he ever write home to dad and say, hey, dad, I'm okay. I'm down here in Egypt. Well, I've contemplated that. Uh, your, your brothers wanted to kill you and they sold you as a slave. Is it really a good idea to write home and say, you know, I'm... You know, here I am. Uh, when the brothers showed up, he put them to the test to find out how they felt about their brothers, see. And, and he put them to the test where Benjamin was going to be a slave because of his crimes, supposedly. And, uh, wow, what a change there had been in Judah, who was now saying, no, you make me your slave. Let the boy go back to his father. The, the very thing that they wouldn't let Joseph do to return to his father. Now Judah's saying, you make me your slave and send the boy back. And Joseph, he broke down weeping. Yeah, he left the room. Uh, I mean, he said, okay, everybody out. And, and he revealed himself uh, to his brothers. All right. Uh, but Joseph wasn't a part of the nation, see, because God had not formed the nation yet. There was a family there. And when God took those slaves out of Egypt, he took them to Mount Sinai, and at Mount Sinai, that was the beginning of the nation. That was the beginning of Israel. Now, as part of that, in Deuteronomy 10, as, as Moses presents this uh, to them, Deuteronomy 10, verse 8, he says, at that time, and he's talking about when God had them at, at Mount Sinai and gave them the regulations. Deuteronomy 10, 8, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. All right? Now, uh, so what are these Levites doing? Well, what we know from the scriptures, one of the things they did is to teach the people the scriptures, see. And uh, they, they didn't have that inheritance that the others had, and the Lord expected the others to take care of the Levites. In other words, for the Levite service, the others provided their uh, uh, physical necess necessities. So let's go to Deuteronomy 12 where we see that a little more. Deuteronomy 12, 12, he, he gives a, Moses gives a command, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants and the Levite who is within your gates, for as much as he hath no part nor inheritance with you, take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. But he says, I want you to go to the place that the Lord will choose. So we're talking about when God chose Jerusalem as the place of the temple. All right, now uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 18, a little further in there, verse 18, and thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the what? 
the Levite that is within thy gates, and shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest thine hands unto. Then he warns him, take heed to thyself that thou forsake not, okay, what does that mean? Don't neglect the Levite. Don't neglect the Levite as long as thou livest upon the earth. And so uh, this is going to take us back uh, to uh, our text. Uh, and, and we're going to go to the next verse after that. Uh, after the verse of our text. Our text is 1 Timothy 5.17. Now let's go to 1 Timothy 5.18. After 5.17, when he said, consider these people worthy of double honor, and then he quotes, he quotes scripture. So 5.18 says, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So he quotes from the... Uh, he quotes from the Old Testament, see. And so just as these Israelites were to look, uh, because the Levites had ministered to them, they were to take care of the, of the Levites and uh, share their, uh, uh, their food with the, uh, the Levite. And then, and then, he quotes, you know, this is, it says the scripture saith. And at the end of verse 18, it says the labor is worthy of his reward. You know where that is in the Old Testament? That's not in the Old Testament. Why does he say the scripture saith? You know who said that? The labor is worthy of his reward or his wages. The Lord Jesus said that. The labor is worthy of his wages. And so you see how Paul says the scripture saith, and he quotes the Old Testament, and he quotes the Lord Jesus. Because, of course, everything the Lord Jesus said was scripture. See, it was scripture. All right, so we have this uh, scriptural admonition, and we can return to our text and uh, talk about considering worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, we, we read that in verse 18. You know, uh, I, I just came back from Salt Lake City visiting uh, one of my uh, former students there uh, who pastored there for 18 years and uh, very familiar with what the Mormons are doing and all. And, and the Mormons look at uh, ministers of the gospel, they, they look at us as uh, hirelings, see, because we make our what? We make our living in the gospel. And uh, the Mormons have, you know, these Mormon missionaries, the, the church doesn't pay for them to go out, see. They do that voluntarily. And there are all these Mormons that uh, serve voluntarily, and they don't get paid by the uh, church. And then they want to say, then they look at us and say, uh, you guys are just hirelings, okay. But uh, what we're doing, what we're doing is what the Lord Jesus set up. And uh, you don't look at that ox and say, he's just a hireling. See, he's doing his work, but he gets something for it. He gets something for it. And so the Lord uh, uh, looks at uh, those who labor as worthy of their, uh, of their wages. So uh, uh, let's rejoice. Let's be uh, 
eternally grateful to the Lord Jesus uh, for our salvation, sure. But uh, he didn't just save us, but what, what has he done? He's, he's put us into an institution, and he's gifted people to minister to us and to, and to refresh us in so many ways and to instruct us and to encourage us. And uh, so tonight, uh, that's what we're doing. We're acknowledging 50 years of service. And uh, uh, Pastor Stan, you're worthy of double honor. Lord bless you.